Wednesday, September 1st here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And we're in the thick of draft season here at DraftSharks.com. We've got everything running, as usual. We did the perfect draft articles, of course, like we do every year once. And, Jared, we've got those things getting ready to update over the next couple days for various formats to help people know exactly how they want to go through their draft. And this Today's podcast is going to kind of go along those lines. We're not doing full perfect draft, but we're going to go round by round and talk about what we want to do in our drafts. Yeah, this is it. This is, this is like the, the final exam. We've been grinding at this for what, like six months. We did projections back in like March or whatever. Um, got through training camp, got through preseason. I think we learned some some stuff. Um, the landscape has changed, I think, for me at basically every position, especially tight end, which we can get into. Um, yeah, let's let's kind of run through how we're attacking these drafts. Yeah, injuries, trades, news, just stuff we've seen in the preseason. It's all affecting rankings. We're updating those, you know, basically on a daily basis for things that are changing. So make sure you you check out the rankings, even if you already looked at them before. Um, Be ready and know that when you go into your draft war room on DraftSharks.com, it is updated. We have been changing the rankings as things happen. So for now, as I said, we're going to go through round by round. We're going to go through the first 10 rounds, kind of talk about where we want to be drafting from, our optimal picks at each turn and then talk about some favorite late round flyers. Let's start in round one, Jared. And rather than just like picking out a favorite pick, because obviously it's going to depend on where in the round you're picking. I wanted to start by there. There are still plenty of drafters who email or, you know, send us messages on Twitter saying I get to pick my draft spot. Where should I draft from? So if you're in that kind of setup, where do you want to be drafting from? Yeah, it's basically the earlier, the better for me and for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, if you can get the one spot, take it because it's it's Christian McCaffrey, then there's a big tier gap behind him. And then even beyond McCaffrey, to me, it's Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara as kind of their own next tier. Um, so if you can get picked two or three, I would grab that as well. It, kind of the other reason I like earlier than later is to me, the second round is kind of flat. And I guess that's largely because I am so high on Joe Mixon. So to me, and Mixon, you can usually get in the late second round. To me, he is pretty equivalent to the running backs going in the early second round. So if I can lock up, you know, one of those top three, ideally McCaffrey, um, and then come back with Mixon. And even if you miss on Mixon, there are other guys I like late in round two that, you know, again, aren't much different than the guys early in round two. So earlier, the better in round one, if you get to pick your draft spot. That is pretty much exactly what I have. I If I'm picking, I'm going first because I want Christian McCaffrey. I, I don't see a big gap, just like you said, between what I can get at the beginning of round two and what I can get at the end. And the gap is between Christian McCaffrey and the rest of the position. So he sits more than two points per game ahead of number two, Dalvin Cook in our half PPR projections. Dalvin Cook is more than two points per game ahead of everyone else. Uh, In full PPR, the Christian McCaffrey gap is three and a half points per game ahead of number two. And even if you're looking non-PPR, it's still more than a point per game ahead of Cook and nearly three more points per game ahead of everybody else. So, you know, obviously the McCaffrey advantage didn't work out last year because he missed 13 games, but I'm going to go ahead and assume he doesn't miss 13 games this year. And that advantage works out a bit more for you. And I guess just as importantly, as we both alluded to already, we like what's there at the two, three turn after you've drafted number one, you know, other years that might be 
kind of the drawback for getting that top pick is you wait till the two, three turn, you watch some exciting players leave the board in round two. But this year you could have Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, Clyde Edwards, D'Lair all in the mix at that two, three turn. You got um, wide receivers such as Justin Jefferson and Keenan Allen that you can then take at the two, three turn. If you want to just start with McCaffrey and then push running back off for a little while. And even a tight end, you might have Darren Waller or George Kittle in the mix. So there are, it's not even like, I hope that these one or two guys make it to me. There are several different paths that you can head down at that two, three turn. If you pick number one. Yeah. I'm with you. Even if you mix out, miss out on Mixon, I think Najee Harris is a great target. Darren Waller would kind of be my, my next target in that range. If, if Mixon and Harris are gone. Um, so yeah, I mean, looking around two, like I, my only piece of advice coming out around two, I, I prefer to have at least one running back through those first three rounds. And it's not a must. I mean, if you, know, if you can get, Devontae Adams late in round one and then you know Tyreek Hill is still sitting there in, in round two like like do that like it's not a must but um as we get into the later rounds here you'll, you'll kind of see t- to me there's not many running backs I'm targeting after Clyde Edwards Alaire is off the board and he's our 14th ranked running back he's usually gone early third round at the latest you know a lot of times he goes in, in the late second so um ideally if you can get at least one of those top 14 running backs just because the position to me is, is not something i kind of want to mess with until you get to like round eight nine and ten yeah it's just that certain workload that you get from those top guys that's attractive to add and because there are some good wide receivers in that round three four five six range that we're going to get to as we get to those rounds I agree. If you are picking at the other end of round one, I think it's very attractive to potentially start out with a couple of top wideouts. I mean, if you can get two among Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, I would probably lean that direction rather than going a wide receiver at the end. Or I'm sorry, a running back at the end of round one. But Aaron Jones, Austin Eckler are still in that mix as well. So I think you just need to think about what you're building versus what the person at the opposite end of the round who's getting Christian McCaffrey is building and, you know, look beyond those first two picks too. Yeah. I mean, I think the, be- the best advice for early in the draft is always just take the best player available and then kind of worry about filling needs later on. Um, I-, I guess I, w- I would just use the running back thing as a tiebreaker. If you're mm-hmm. you know back and forth between a running back and a wide receiver and you don't have a running back yet, I would lean towards that running back just because again, I think later in the draft, you're going to like the wide receiver options better. Round three, I think my two favorite guys, and we're looking at the 12-team PPR ADP primarily on DraftSharks.com for the names that we're going to be talking about here round by round. But round three, my primary targets, I think, are Allen Robinson or Chris Carson. It can be driven by what I've taken through the first two rounds and where exactly I am in round three, what, what I can expect to get back to me. But Robinson specifically... He's behind Terry McLaurin and CeeDee Lamb in ADP. He's significantly ahead of both of those guys in our projections across formats. And I I like the player. It's not like I feel like it's a flimsy projection. I think Allen Robinson has showed it to us with poor quarterback play multiple times in his career. He's going to get better quarterback play this year. If Andy Dalton is not delivering it early in the season, then it's going to be even sooner that we get Justin Fields. And I think that's the ultimate ceiling is getting Justin Fields. And of course, getting Justin Fields performing well, that I think has the most upside for Allen Robinson as a scenario. Yeah. A-Rob is my top target in round three as well. Um, like you said, I mean, the, the guy's already been a top nine PPR wide receiver each of the last two seasons with that crappy quarterback play. Only DeAndre Hopkins has more total targets over the last two seasons. I think Robinson will again be, you know, among the, top five, you know, top eight, at least uh, target getters among wide receivers. So he, he's my top option 
generally I, I'm looking wide receiver in round three. You know, I think CD lamb, DK Metcalf, Keenan Allen are all strong targets. Chris Carson is okay. James Robinson, Deandre Swift, like those guys near the three, four turn. If you started two wide receivers, I think those guys especially look solid. If you did get that, you know, Tyreek Adams start, then I think Chris Carson, Deandre Swift and PPR, those guys would come into play for me at the tail end of the round, but generally I'm targeting wide receivers in the third. And I like Chris Carson even better because I like him much more than James Robinson and DeAndre Swift. I feel better about Chris Carson's role than I do DeAndre Swift. The groin injury, you know, just gives it that little further boost. Carson sits 14th in our PPR points per game projections. He's RB 17 in ADP. So we're already ahead of where he's going. And I like him even better than that. I think he's a strong bet for that regular weekly workload. I don't think Rashad Penny or anyone else is going to cut significantly into his receiving, which Chris Carson, even while he saw his rushing limited a bit last year, while he was kind of dealing with the foot issue, his target share was high. It was 12 plus percent. So if he gets anywhere in that range, I think the upside for Chris Carson is to finish top six at the position. If he, you know, stays healthy this year. Yeah. I mean, he's a strong weekly starter when he's healthy. You just have to worry about the durability. I I like Carson even a bit more than I did like a month ago, just because the the news on Rashad Penny hasn't been good. He he was actually mentioned as like a potential cut candidate. He ended up making the team, but we're not even sure if it's Penny or Alex Collins is the number two there. So, I mean, the the takeaway is Carson is safe as Seattle's clear lead back. Yeah. And I think he can be a target, as you said, if you started out with a couple of wideouts and you're picking later in round three, round four, Jared, who are you looking at? I mean, almost any wide receiver in round four, I like, so it's, you know, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, DJ Moore, you know, towards the tail end of round four. Those are my primary targets. There there are running back detours you can take. Again, if you still need your first, Um, DeAndre Swift, Chris Carson sometimes makes it here. James Robinson, even David Montgomery, I'm fine with in round four, you know, especially with Tree Cohn hitting the pup list. I think Montgomery could play something similar to the role he played, you know, last season when Tree Cohn was out. They did add Damian Williams. He might mix in a bit, but. Now, Montgomery, at least for the first couple months of the season, should be a workhorse. So if you need a running back, he's fine in the fourth, but I would prefer to take those wide receivers. Yeah, and he's sitting at round three ADP right now, but I think you can see Montgomery last in round four and plenty of drafts, so I think he's an option. Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett are getting my primary focus in this round, assuming that I have at least one running back and quite possibly two by this point. And this is why I don't feel like I have to take that wide receiver in round three is – I think Cooper Cup and Tyler Lockett both have top 12 upside at the position. And it's really not even going out on a limb to say that because both of these guys have finished in that range within the past two years. Uh, It's 16th and 20th in wide receiver ADP. I think they both have significant upside from those spots. And both of these are offenses that I want to buy into this year. Yep, with you there. Those are my two favorites in that range. But again, there are a ton of options, even if you miss out on those guys. This is kind of, to me, the the sweet spot at wide receiver is this round four territory. What's the sweet spot for round five? Yeah, so this is probably where my draft strategy has changed the most over the the last month. I want to be aggressive in locking up one of these next three tight ends, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Pitts, or Mark Andrews. Um, Now, they'll sometimes get in around six. If you want to gamble, if you're picking at the five, six turn, you can potentially gamble. Like, you know, two of those guys are still available. When it gets to late in round five, you can, you know, hope one gets to you in the sixth. But if you want to be sure to get one um, round five, is the time that is how I rank them. Hawkinson, Pitts, Andrews. Um, but you know, it's it's just there's just not much else to like at tight end once those guys come off the board. Like Dallas Goddard has fallen in our rankings with Zach Ertz still around. Irv Smith, you know, is down. You know, might be out for the season. 
Um, Adam Troutman, Anthony Ferkser kind of had like disappointing preseasons that you're kind of worried about them. So there's, I, I don't want to mess with the rest of the tight end. So if I can just lock up, you know, one of the top six, if you can get Kelsey Waller or Kittle in the first three rounds, but if not, I'm, I'm using my fifth round pick to get one of these other guys. Yeah. And I have some separation between Hawkinson and even Kyle Pitts and Mark Andrews. I think there's a lower floor on Mark Andrews. So TJ Hawkinson is my primary focus here. I'm going to go ahead and take him if I'm looking at him in round five and considering whether to wait. I mean, I've, I've said it plenty. I think the range of outcomes for Hawkinson this year includes a Darren Waller season. We've already seen Hawkinson reach a hundred targets. Now he's got a quarterback that just kind of meshes well with where TJ Hawkinson gets his targets we have a garbage set of wide receivers for this team. They're planning to start Khalif Raymond. It sounds like that's what the state of wide receiver play is in Detroit. So Hawkinson, even the injury situation with him, Dan Campbell has said, even at the same time, they said, I don't know if Deandre Swift's going to be available week one. He's like, I I think Hawkinson will be all right. So I'm going to put that one aside and assume that Hawkinson is at least good enough and know that I don't need an explosive Hawkinson to be able to capitalize on the target opportunity that's there. Yeah, Hawkinson's my favorite too. Andrews has climbed closer to Pitts and Hawkinson for me just because of the injury issues in Baltimore's wide receiver core. We know Rashad Bateman's not going to be out there early, early in the season. Marquise Brown has missed like a month with his, with his hamstring. They expect him out there for week one. But um, you know, Sammy Watkins has been banged up a bit. Miles Boykin's been banged up. So Andrews could open the season, you know, at least with a similar target share. To Hawkinson, maybe not raw targets because they're not going to throw as much. But um, you know, Andrew should be a strong target but early and even you know even beyond that throughout the season. I'll say too that I've I've started thinking a little bit differently about Kyle Pitts just by kind of viewing him as a wide receiver rather than a tight end because yeah. it seems like that's more so his role in that Atlanta offense. And he you know at tight end you just don't need as much volume as you do at wide receiver. If he's getting wide receiver type of target share then it could give them the volume that just boosts them up those tight end rankings. Yeah. I mean, if, if you want to swing for the fences, I don't have an issue even taking Pitts over Hawkinson. It's just Hawkinson tends to go like a half round to a round later than Pitts, which is, you know, why I've ended up with a lot more Hawkinson. And I don't, I think the fence is just as attractive with Hawkinson as it is for Kyle Pitts. I mean, it's a more exciting player, but yeah, I mean, TJ Hawkinson could have 130 targets this year. Yeah. If he gets 130 targets, he's going to smash regardless of how bad the Lions offense is. Round six is probably the first time that I'm really looking at quarterback. It's a possibility in round five, depending on how things go. But Dak Prescott, if he gets to round six, is the first time that my eyes start twinkling for a quarterback. He's around behind Lamar Jackson in ADPs, basically even with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. I think Dak Prescott's ceiling is much higher than both of those guys. He's less than a round ahead of Justin Herbert. So, you know, again, if I get here and Dak is in this pool of quarterbacks, he's swimming well above everybody else in the pool for me. He was one and a half points per game ahead of the pack last year when he got hurt. That was in a high-scoring quarterback season, and it was with Dak Prescott leaving his fifth game in the second quarter. So he basically had the top QB scoring average in four and a half games in a high-scoring season. Now, He's probably not going to perform just like he did over those first four games last year when he threw for 400 yards three times, but that is the ceiling. We've seen that. So we know it's possible. Yeah. You know, I will, I'll consider Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray in round five. I prefer getting the tight end though. Now, you know, at at this point, Um, if any of those guys get into round six, I'm definitely hopping on them. And Dak Prescott is a consideration in round six. Russell Wilson's even a consideration like in the later end of round six. So he often gets to round seven. So you might be able to wait 
on him. But I'm just excited about, you know, everything we hear out of Seattle, about them going more up-tempo, maybe some quicker passes, get the ball in uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's hands and let them do damage. So um, Russell Wilson has kind of moved closer to Dak Prescott for me over the last month. Um, Outside of quarterback in round six, I think this is the round to target Jerry Judy, who I'm still super high on. You know, everything we've heard out of Broncos camp, he's been the best player there. I always thought Teddy Bridgewater was the best, you know, outcome for Judy, just, you know, someone who can get him the ball because Judy's going to be open. He's such a good route runner. Just, you know, we, we know Bridgewater is accurate enough to get the ball, you know, open Judy's hands. I also think Gus Edwards, this is where I'd consider him, um, you know, with the J.K. Dobbins news. Uh, even, you know, even in, in non-PPR, you can probably even consider him in, you know, round five. PPR round six feels like the right time for him. You know, he's not going to do a lot in the passing game, but I do think his his rushing production should be pretty similar to what you were expecting to get out of J.K. Dobbins this season. You know, Dobbins was going in round three, which I thought was too early all along. But um, if you can get Gus Edwards in round six, if you you know need your second or even third running back, I think he, he makes sense. And Edwards probably doesn't match J.K. Dobbins in receiving ability. He probably doesn't really come close to him, but they were tied in target share last year. So we know that they will throw the ball to Gus Edwards. So I agree. The ceiling is not a whole lot different for Gus Edwards than it was for J.K. Dobbins, especially because he doesn't have a Gus Edwards to him now like J.K. Dobbins did. So yeah, I agree with, with him in that range. And I think that if Dak's gone and we're looking at that next group of quarterbacks, Russell Wilson's in the mix for me, but I'm a little bit less likely to take a quarterback if Dak's gone and look to wide receiver or one of those running backs if I've gotten to this point uh, heavier on wide receiver and lighter on running back. Round seven, if Russell Wilson gets to there, I think he gets really attractive. The ADP is the middle of round six. Obviously, it's a draft-to-draft kind of thing, and I mentioned there are like five quarterbacks with round six ADPs. So you could have your league mates favor Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, whatever, over Russell Wilson and push him into round seven. If he gets to round seven, I think he's very attractive. If not, there are several fallbacks. My primaries, Robbie Anderson, Tyler Boyd at wide receiver, and then Noah Fant at tight end would be my next guy if I didn't take TJ Hawkinson a couple rounds ago. Yeah, we're on the same page there. You know, this, this is a good quarterback round, I think, if Russ gets here. I've even seen Dak getting to round seven with you know some of his injury concerns. I, I just think there's bit of a tear drop off behind those two. You know, if you consider combination of like upside and safety, I think there's, you know, quarterbacks in Herbert and Rogers, even Jalen Hurts, Tom Brady, who have similar upside, but I just think Dak and Wilson are, are kind of safer bets to hit that ceiling. Um, so I like taking either of them if they're still available. If not, Robbie Anderson is my primary target, even with all the Terrace Marshall stuff, like it, it's in the back of my mind that, you know, he might take some from Robbie Anderson, but Curtis Samuel leaves behind 97 targets from last year. You know, Ter- Terrace Marshall could just pick up that, and-, and Robbie Anderson could still see the same volume he saw last year, which, by the way, he was eighth in the NFL in targets. So even if Marshall takes some from Anderson, he can still be a top 20 wide receiver in volume, and that makes him a good value in round seven. Yeah, I think we might see some week-to-week inconsistency in Carolina in those targets just because of all the options there, but I'm not ultimately all that worried about the target total. And Robbie Anderson... I think even gains upside because I'm not sure who is the number one target between him and DJ Moore. Either of those guys could finish ahead of the others. So that makes me more willing to take Robbie Anderson a couple of rounds after where somebody else took DJ Moore. I'm just just not sure there's, if you're asking me who is the better player between them, I would go DJ Moore, especially because he's still just 24. But Mm -hmm. if you're asking me who's going to finish ahead between them in fantasy points this year, it could be either one. I'm not putting money down on either side. It definitely could be Robbie Anderson. 
Yeah, I mean, Anderson has all these connections, too. I mean, you know, he played under Matt Rule in college. He played with Sam Darnold with the Jets. So, yeah, it would not shock me if he leads the team in targets. I very much like having Robbie Anderson in the third wide receiver slot on my fantasy teams, especially with where you can draft him. Looking into round eight, Brandon Cooks is another primary wide receiver target, and especially if I can take him as my fourth and I don't have to rely on the Houston situation. But even as a third, you know, we've talked about it before, that the big drawing point here is the opportunity upside. Regardless of who the quarterback is, Brandon Cooks is the clear number one wideout on a team that might have Nico Collins as its number two pass catcher. Yeah, round eight to me is a good time to hopefully get your, you know, have four wideouts by this time. And Robbie Anderson and Tyler Boyd are kind of the the two guys I really would like to get as my fourth. Um, if they're gone, I do like Brandon Cooks for all the reasons you mentioned. I mean, just volume alone. Maybe Deshaun Watson ends up playing for them still this season. We'll see. That kind of just be a bonus. I just think Cooks is you know going to be a guy you can count on for seven, eight targets per game. And as your fourth wide receiver, then that that's a good spot to be in. Yeah, I think he'll mix in plenty of 10-target games as well. I think this is also a range if you didn't – if quarterback just didn't align for you in the earlier rounds or you'd rather just wait on the position, I think it's fine to do so. And then in this round 8-9 range, we've got – we might have Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill. If all those guys get to round 8, I'm probably pushing it off until round 9 and seeing if one makes it to me. Um, but otherwise, I, I'm happy to have any of those four as my number one quarterback – and I think this is the beginning of the range where if that's my first quarterback, I'm probably going to take another QB before the end of the draft. Yeah, I, I love Brady, but I mean, Hertz is dropping. Like Hertz is pretty usually available in like round 10 and beyond now. So that that's kind of pushing me off of Brady a bit, just knowing I can get Hertz like two rounds later. Yeah, and that's certainly making me more likely to take the wide receiver in round eight and seeing what happens over the next two rounds. I mentioned the quarterbacks might push into round nine. Also attractive there to me, Michael Pittman, Jamal Williams, you know, who I target depends a bit on what I have to this point. If I already have three running backs, it's definitely Mm going to be a wide receiver here. If I only have two running backs, though, I think Jamal Williams makes for a solid number three. Yeah, so like round nine, 10, maybe even 11 um, is where I've been targeting what's usually like my RB three and four. I usually just have two through those first eight rounds because I like a lot of the running backs in this range. I think a lot of them are going to give you some standalone value where you can use them, you know, especially when bye weeks start to hit. And they also have upside if you know, guys in front of them go down. So Jamal Williams is my favorite. Um, he's, you know, he's been one of my favorites all off season. I think he's going to play a pretty significant role. Um, I, I, I just think, you know, that Lions offense is going to revolve around TJ Hawkinson and these running backs. So Williams could be a standalone option, especially during bye weeks. And then Swift's already dealing with a groin injury. So, you know, Williams has, if, if Swift, if Swift misses time, Williams really should be like a three down back. And even on a bad Lions offense, you know, that's going to make him like a top 20 fantasy option pretty easily. So he's my favorite. Um, Sony Michelle, I think this is the range for him now, like round nine, 10, kind of the same deal as Williams. Like he, I think he's going to have a role, even, even if it's behind Henderson. Um, then if Henderson goes down and he Henderson is not yet proven capable of, you know, holding up with a, a big workload in the NFL. Um, so if he goes down, Michelle is lead back for, you know, what should be a top 10 offense. Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, just, you know, trying to get pieces of that Bucks offense. You kind of see what happens. I'm, I'm honestly not sure what the back, what the split's going to look like between those two. Um, but I think they're both worth, worth taking shots on. And then uh, James Conner in Arizona. I don't know. Every time he's there, I, I kind of get gun shy and don't end up taking him. I'm, I just, I don't know what he has left in the tank, but I mean, it's another case where it's a good offense He's one injury away from being the lead back there. And even without a Chase Edmonds injury, I think Connor is going to be involved to some extent. 
Yeah, and he should be getting goal line touches as Kenyon Drake did last year. And if we don't have to take that running back in the early rounds, then there's really only upside from here. I would also throw Zach Moss into the mix. I think that he's lost a little bit of gloss in the preseason because Devin Singletary has been drawing positive reports. But Zach Moss is still the guy getting the ball near the goal line. That's never going to be Devin Singletary, apparently. And I know Josh Allen's in the mix, but... Among the running backs, somebody's going to score a few touchdowns. So I'll take that guy in that offense in this range. And Zach Moss has actually been at least as active in third down type situations as Devin Singletary so far. So if he is getting those kind of touches, you know, I'm not saying that there's enormous upside to Zach Moss, but in this range, I think he's fine. And that just the size of that pool at running back, I think makes it an attractive position to look at in this range, eight, nine, 10, depending on, you know, what you have and how your specific draft is going. And it's also worth noting, I think that this pool of running backs is going, you know, two to three, maybe even four rounds behind guys like uh, Trey Sermon, Raheem Mostert, Javante Williams. So you can wait three rounds beyond those split situations and still take somebody with similar week to week outlooks, maybe not quite as high a ceiling, but similar upside. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I just think waiting until around 9, 10 for these backs and getting those wide receivers we talked about in round five or six rather than taking you know someone like Javante Williams or Trey Sermon, who they, they have ultimate upside, but you're, you're going to have to wait on it. And even then, like there's no guarantee that Melvin Gordon and Raheem Mostert go away at any point this season. Um, we're talking about running backs in this range. So let me hit the question from Sebastian on Facebook. He says, can Chase Edmonds fill in my RB2 role after Dobbins went down? I would say Yes, but I wonder a little bit about – I wonder whether Rondell Moore is going to cut into Chase Edmonds's not only upside but week-to-week stability from a reception standpoint. Look at you talking some positivity about Rondell Moore. Um, I, I think if we're talking PPR, Edmonds is fine. I mean, he's not going to crush for you at RB2, but you'll survive there. I mean, he was a top 30 PPR back last year with, with Kenny and Drake as the clear leader. I think Edmonds could take on a bit more of a rushing role this season. So I, I think he's fine. Like I wouldn't feel desperate and feel the need to go out and make a trade for another running back. And I, I think he's fine. No, you're just going to need your other positions to kind of carry you a bit. Yes. I would say he's fine as your primary RB two, but I would also look for some upside behind that and, you know, get somebody with a higher ceiling uh, either in case that other guy hits or chase Edmonds does see some of that siphon. I, I think, you know, I haven't been the Rondale Moore drafter, but I think that if you see the upside path for Rondale Moore, it includes doing a lot of the things that they have Chase Edmonds do currently. And that's just a good point in general as we like move into close to week one now. Stock your bench with these upside running backs rather than the wide receivers. Um, you know, you, it's much easier to find the wide receivers on the waiver wire. If one of these running backs goes down, you know, if Christian McCaffrey goes down, Trouble Hubbard is going to cost you know all your waiver budget to to you know add him. So those are the kind of guys I think you want to have stashed. Uh, you know, versus the wide receivers. Yeah, and we certainly don't need to have nine or ten wideouts on a yep. on a roster like we do in best ball once we're setting lineups. Yep. All right. I believe that brings us to round 10, Jared. What are you looking at here? Yeah, so again, those running backs I mentioned in round nine, if you only have three backs through round nine, I would try to grab another in round 10. You know, ha- have four running backs by the end of the 10th round. Otherwise, um, Jalen Hurts is like, you know, my, my favorite quarterback target outside of you know the, the top guys we talked about you know those top six or seven with Dak and Wilson being the end of that territory um, so round 10 is a good time to add him 
Um, and if you're looking wide receiver, I mean, there, there are so many wide receivers I like in these next couple of rounds. Uh, Mike Williams, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, both Jets guys. Michael Pittman, Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, Darnell Mooney. I think you know, any two or three of those guys in this round, 10, 11, 12 range make, make sense. Yeah. Round 10, just looking at ADP, I think Mike Williams, Darnell Mooney are my primary targets for that round. You know, there's always the chance that some of the other guys near this level in ADP slide, you might find Michael Pittman available in this range. So, you know, look at what's happening in your draft for sure. Watch what's still on the board as it's approaching and uh, help make your decisions, not only in this round, but around before knowing what you can look to, but Mike Williams, Darnell Mooney, both high upside. I think both should be the clear number two targets in their offenses. And there might not be a whole lot to rely on behind them uh, in those offenses, which could push up the target floor for both players and both high ceiling, just performers in what they do, deep balls and potential uh, red zone targets for Mike Williams specifically. Yep. Now we're not going to go round by round anymore. Let's talk about some late round favorites. And I think that you've probably already mentioned some of the names here, Jared, but where, where are you looking? Let's go by position. That'll be an easier way to look at it. I think let's start with wide out. Cause we were just talking about that group. Who are some of your favorite late round targets? Yeah. Randall Moore, obviously um, Jacoby Myers, Looks like New England's number one wideout, and the passing volume is going to get a boost now with Mac Jones. And Mac Jones looks ready to, you know, be a quality NFL starter right away. He was the PFF's second highest graded passer this preseason, and you know, New England obviously liked what they saw to dump Cam Newton. Uh, Marquez Callaway, he tends to go too early for me in you know, some of these like higher stakes leagues, but I think in home leagues, like he's still a guy you can get in like round 12 or 13. Um, he's going to be the Saints' number one wide receiver to open the season. Um, and then Brian Edwards, Terrace Marshall, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling I still like as well. Um, and we'll see if he's reliable enough to use in lineup setting leagues. But I, I at least like ha- having him stashed just to kind of see because you know, everything we've heard from Packers beat writers and even Aaron Rodgers you know, has been the MBS has kind of taken another step this summer. Yeah, I like all those guys. I especially like that MBS is around till late in the draft. So you're not really investing anything if it doesn't work out or if he just stays that boom bust guy that you can't comfortably put in your lineup. I would also throw in Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders in those later rounds. They're going late at round 13 plus in ADP and maybe sliding beyond that. You know, I'm not sure which of those guys is going to outperform the other, but they're going late enough. You can take both. You can take whichever one makes it to do you and we know that the upside's there in that offense and try to get Elijah Moore while he's going in round 12 plus in ADP I think we can all agree on that I I had a dream last night that the Bills released Cole Beasley that didn't actually happen did it I haven't seen it (laughs) it's that time of year where I started dreaming about you know NFL transactions (laughs) I'm gonna switch (laughs) this over to running back now and I think for me it's looking very late if I am looking in like the round 14 to okay let's say it's a 20 round draft And if I look at the guys in ADP from, say, around 13 through 16, 17, nothing really stands out. There are guys that I'll take if they are there. But at the very end of the draft, I want to look for someone not I'm not looking for a player that I can count on in week one. I'm looking for somebody that I can see a path to way outperform his draft position. And two of the guys that I like at the very end of drafts are Tevin Coleman for the Jets, Justin Jackson for the Chargers. Coleman, not an exciting player at this point, but the Jets were sure treating him like he's their top back. I don't know if it's lead or, you know, early committee leader, whatever. If he's starting at the beginning of the season and I'm taking him in round 17 or 18, there's nothing but value from there. Justin Jackson, a little bit more uncertain because of the ankle issue that has apparently still kept him out. I still think that when he's healthy, he's the best bet among any non Austin Eckler running back in that backfield. Every Justin Jackson to this point, when he's been healthy, has performed. He's drawn 
raves from coaches now across multiple staffs. So I think that if he does get healthy, he's the the top number two back in a backfield that is going to find somebody valuable beyond Austin Eckler. So I like taking a shot on that, even if it winds up that he just doesn't get healthy and doesn't give me anything. Yep. I'm fine with those two guys. So I think there are a few guys in PPR leagues, James White, JD McKissick, Gio Bernard, you can take if you, you need some like floor options for bye weeks, but generally I'm not taking those guys in lineup setting leagues. I want to, you know, shoot for, upside and you know these guys will likely need injuries to hit but Ramondre Stevenson has just you know just had an excellent preseason the Patriots traded Sony Michelle um I do I do think Stevenson's gonna end up ahead of JJ Taylor but that's a situation to watch Taylor had a good preseason too and you know they were basically playing even throughout the preseason so we're not totally sure who's ahead on the depth chart so you can take a shot on JJ Taylor too but I, I do prefer Stevenson um and then some other like handcuff types Tony Jones the Saints did keep Latavius Murray but you know it Sounds like Tony Jones is their number two back. You know, that, that's been a valuable spot in the past. Um, so I like him. Ty, Tyson Williams uh, in Baltimore is their number two now, it sounds like. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see if any of these teams add something else to their backfield now that, you know, we're through final cuts and there's some guys available on the waiver wire. Um, but I think Jones and Tyson Williams will be their team's number two backs. Uh, Daryl Williams is the number two in Kansas City, I think. Edward Zolaire already has the ankle injury. Um, I think he's going to be fine for week one, but we'll see. And then um, Damian Williams in Chicago with Trey Cohen out for at least the first six weeks. I don't think Williams is going to play enough of a role to, you know, be a fantasy option, but he he's, you know, one Montgomery injury away from being the lead back there. I think Kylan Hill is also interesting late in a fairly deep draft. Uh, we talked about AJ Dillon not being a huge pass catcher. So I think if Aaron Jones were to go down, it would be a kind of a split backfield, you know, we'll see, but I don't, they kept only three running backs, didn't they? Yep. They did. They cut uh, Dexter Williams and, some other guy. I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> Maybe Tyler Irvin or something. Um, <laughs> over to tight end, there are some later guys that I think are attractive for the chance that they're just like weekly decent target floor bets. Austin Hooper, Zach Ertz, Hayden Hurst, they can all be had in the range of tight end 20 plus. I mean, if you have an elite one, you shouldn't really draft a second one in most cases. But if you took somebody in that more questionable range and it starts as early as tight end seven or eight, then why not toss in a second guy and see what happens? I think Hooper, Ertz, Hurst, all in spots where they could wind up among the top three to four targets on their team and see, you know, something in the range of six to seven targets a week. Yeah, I like those guys, Hooper especially. Um, I have two that are going a bit earlier, but I, I like um, Jonu Smith. We didn't see much of him this preseason, and it, it all came without Hunter Henry, but what we did see was very encouraging as far as, you know, how often he was on the field, how often he was running pass routes. Um, the Pats had him lining up in the slot and out wide some. So I think we've all kind of forgotten like how aggressively New England pursued John New Smith. You know, he was one of the first signings in free agency. He got a big contract. You know, it's, it's still a pretty shaky wide receiver core. So I think Smith is going to play a big role in that Patriots passing game. Again, he, he got a boost with Mac Jones winning the starting job. Um, Gerald Everett is a guy I like. I just think he, he's probably going to be the third option in that passing game, you know, behind DK Metcalf. And Tyler Lockett's going to be an efficient passing game under uh, Russell Wilson. So I like Gerald Everett. And then three super deep guys I have at tight end. Um, you know, maybe if you take Kittle early or whatever and you want a second guy, wait till your very last pick. Dawson Knox in Buffalo, I know he's been super disappointing through his first, you know, two, three seasons, whatever it's been. But um, they, they did release Jacob Hollister. So Knox is the guy. He's going to be on the field in a good passing game. I mean, that at least gives him a chance. Uh, Buffalo tight ends combined for a bunch of touchdowns last season. I don't have the number in front of me, but you know, there were some like no namers scoring them, but 
If Knox picks up a big chunk of those, he could score seven or eight times. So I like him. Uh, Pat Fryermuth flashed in that second preseason game and then was basically working in uh, an even committee with Eric Ebron in the third. So that, that might be how they open the season. And then Fryermuth could just pass Ebron at some point this season. So uh, he's worth a shot. And then Donald Parham with the Chargers. Uh, Jared Cook's going to open the season as the Chargers lead tight end. But Parham, it sounds like he had a nice camp, a nice August. And, you know, Cook's getting up there in a year. So Parham could take over at some point there. One of those no-name bills last year is Tyler Croft, who's now with the Jets, who just traded away Chris Herndon. Tyler Croft caught a couple of touchdowns from Zach Wilson in one of yep. those preseason games. So I think if we're looking in that very late range, Tyler Croft is a bit interesting. Not anybody that I'm excited about, but, you know, there's some upside. Yeah, not an exciting player, but um, I don't know, an offense that could be better than people expect in an offense, you know, with, you know, some questions at wide receiver to me, at least beyond Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Yeah, we didn't see anybody really behind Corey Davis earning targets in the preseason. So they're they're up for grabs, literally. And let's wrap things up with quarterback. And I think the big takeaway is there are lots of options late. So I guess, first of all, if I ended up with one of, say, the top six quarterbacks, and for me, that includes Russell Wilson, then I'm probably not bothering with a second. Maybe with Russell Wilson, I'll take a second just in case we see some of the inconsistency over the second half of last year. But if I am looking for a second quarterback, there are lots of steady veterans that could be your second. And there is, of course, some attractive upside in the rookies, even the guys who we don't know when they'll take the field. Yeah, Jenner, and I'm with you. If I get if I get one of the top five, I'm definitely not taking another one. I think Dak and Russ, you could argue maybe you want a second. Dak really just because the injury stuff, you know, if you want some insurance. But the three guys I'm most interested in, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and then Tua. Um, you know, Fields and Lance, obviously, for the rushing ability. And I think I, I think they're both going to be top 10 fantasy quarterbacks as soon as they hit the field, you know, just with the rushing. I and mean, anything they do in the passing game is just kind of be it going to be a bonus um and then to attack of Aloha, um a guy i i you know have kind of been in on all off season just think he's going to take a you know step in his second season i liked what i saw in the preseason um and he did he did that work in the preseason without Devonte parker without will fuller um you know, if those guys can stay healthy along with jalen waddle that's a pretty nice trio of wide receivers for tua yeah and i mean even if you don't get to a kirk cousins is slipping baker mayfield slipping Derek carr is available very late daniel jones is slipping uh, Sam Darnold starts the season with a nice schedule. So there's lots available there. And Justin Fields, obviously, if I, you know, I, I, Justin Fields is probably for me, the one guy that no matter what quarterback I take, if he's there in like round 14 or something, I'm just going to stash him just so that if some magic happens, I'm in on it. Just so, just so no one else in the league gets him right. Like even if you have like Russ and, and Fields, at least no one else has Fields to, to use. Losing my league to the Justin Fields owner would probably <laughs> be the worst case scenario for 2021. Yeah, you, you mentioned Darnold with a uh, good early season schedule. Kirk Cousins has a good early season schedule too. So those are the two guys I like pairing. If you do take like Fields or Lance as your first, doesn't look like either of those guys will be out there for week one. So Darnold and Cousins are two guys you can you know use early in the season while you're waiting for those rookies to get in there. Yeah, and that's a good point. We talked about the quarterback targets early, but you can wait. You can just keep waiting and take an upside rookie and take a steady veteran and pair them together and get – plenty of quarterback production so lots of options still at that position even at a time where it seems like you need to get one of those top five or six definitely can we can we hit defenses first just uh some some d's with good week one because i got in lineup setting leagues I'm, I'm almost always just taking a defense with a good week one matchup and then planning to to play the waiver wire after that so my targets um i think the 
the best target for week one is the 49ers. They get they get the Lions. Um, I think Denver is good versus the Giants. The Jags get the Texans. So, you know, the Texans should be the worst offense in the NFL. Uh, the Patriots versus Dolphins are okay. Seahawks against the Colts, depending on the Colts injuries. Um, so, you know, th- those are five Ds right there I feel good using in my week one lineup. And then beyond that, you just start playing matchups. Yeah, I agree with that. And also, I mean, I think if you have a deep enough roster, you can take a defense that necessar- that doesn't necessarily have a good week one matchup. I want to say Pittsburgh has the is at Buffalo in week one. So Pittsburgh's a defense I would like to have in general, but I would rather start somebody over them in week one. You can use a spot in your draft for that second defense just for that purpose, I think, because lots of the guys that we take in the late rounds are going to wind up being cut for something anyway. Yep, agreed. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. We are eight days from the start of the NFL season as we speak. If you still have drafts coming up and you have not become a DS Insider yet, then do so today so you can take advantage of the brand new draft war room. If you have already drafted, you can still join up. Let us help you manage your teams throughout the regular season. We have the free agent finder, the trade partner navigator, much more ready to help you crush your league. So head over to DraftSharks.com now. Jump in with us. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.